grace and mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. The word of our God that we consider together today is from the book of Second Chronicles. We look primarily at chapter 33, the record of King Manasseh, but also some of the information in the later chapters of Judah's last kings. Has anyone ever undone something that you just did? Maybe it was something really simple, like a neighbor kid knocking over a snow fort that you had just built. Or perhaps it was something more serious, like someone undoing a project of yours at work or at school. In today's Bible reading, we see King Manasseh set out to undo his father's most important accomplishment, his father Hezekiah, encouraged the people of Judah to humbly repent and to follow the Lord. He reopened the Lord's temple and got rid of the shrines where people worshipped idols. And about Hezekiah, God said, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But here's what God said about Hezekiah's son Manasseh. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. What did he do? It's more like, what evil did he not do? He rebuilt the shrines to the idols that his father had torn down. He worshipped the stars and the planets, even placing altars to honor them in and near the Lord's temple. He practiced infant sacrifice offering the lives of some of his own children on fiery altars to false gods. Understandably, God says about him in the Bible, he did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. But then his actions affected many others. As king, he was to help care for the souls of the people, but instead he was leading them away from the Lord. And the result, the Bible tells us, they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. The sins of the Canaanites were the reasons that God judged them and gave their land to the Israelites. But now, the people God had chosen for himself were choosing to do even more grievous sins than those unbelievers. And Manasseh was right in the center of it all, leading the people in their rebellion against God. So God responded, at first with patience. He continued to send prophets to them, but they ignored them. Manasseh kept on doing what he wanted to do, figuring that he could get away with it, Unbelief always thinks that there's never going to be a day of reckoning. And then God spoke more loudly by sending the Assyrians who attacked and took Manasseh as a prisoner. They actually put a, a hook into his nose. There are ancient stone carvings 
of Assyrian kings treating prisoners in that brutal way. Even a gentle tug must have caused unimaginable pain, like a fish being reeled in. Manasseh was pulled away into captivity. So picture this once proud and defiant king, humiliated in shame and pain. He had time to think about the truth that his father must have wanted him to live by and to learn the truth of God's will that he had walked away from. But now he became convinced that God was his only hope. The Bible tells us, in his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord, and he humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. Would God really give Manasseh another chance after the evil he had done? After all those young lives were lost on those fiery altars? After so many souls must have been destroyed by the false gods that he was promoting? God heard Manasseh's prayer and responded with undeserved love. God let Manasseh go back to Jerusalem and even to be king once again. And then he worked to undo the evil that he had done before with fruits of repentance. He repaired the Lord's temple and he worshiped the Lord who had been merciful to him. But of course, Manasseh could never undo the guilt of his sin or the judgment that he deserved. Only God could do that. And God did. God removed and forgave the guilt of Manasseh's sin. And think of the price that God had to pay to do that. God would have to sacrifice his own son, not on a fiery altar, but upon the cross, where Jesus would suffer and die for the sins of Manasseh and the sins of us all. Now, when the people saw Manasseh being led away into captivity, shouldn't they have realized that God is serious about sin? And when they saw God's mercy to Manasseh, shouldn't they have realized that God is serious about his love to save sinners? But most of them kept on rejecting the Lord. Most of them kept on living the way that they wanted to live apart from God's will and purpose for them. Ammon, the king after Manasseh, did evil. He undid the good that his father tried to do at the end of his life. Then came King Josiah, who had to undo his father's evil ways. Josiah repaired the temple. And while they were doing that, the priest found the book of the law that had been lost. The official copy of part of God's inspired word had been misplaced, and it seemed they hadn't noticed for a long time. That shows us how far they had wandered from the love and the ways of the Lord. 
When King Josiah heard those words of God that had been lost, he grieved in repentance. And he called upon the people to listen to God. But not many of them did. And not for long. The final kings after Josiah all rejected the Lord. Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah. These were ancestors of the coming Savior. And yet they felt no need of being saved. And despite their unfaithfulness, God continued to hold out his hands of mercy, calling them back to him. We are told in chapter 36, God persistently sent warnings to them through his messengers because he had compassion on his people. God does not want anyone to perish. But what did the people do? But the people kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the anger of the Lord arose up against his people, until there was no remedy. Those have to be some of the saddest words in the scriptures, words that describe our own time too. God finally determined that it was necessary to send the Babylonians who attacked the land and took many of the people into captivity for 70 years. God's patience had reached an end. He would not allow their rebellion to continue any longer. How much time is left for us and for the society in which we live? How long until we must account to God for our lives? Only God knows, but we do know that God is serious about sin because he is serious about his love to save us from our sins. Our world is not so different from the days of Judah's last kings. As Manasseh's sacrifice of his children shocks us, so must the loss of hundreds of thousands of unborn children each year in our own land. Each one of those is a life that God has given and created, a life to speak up for and defend unless the life of a mother is truly in danger. More and more, our world seeks to overrule God's statement that he created male and female and that marriage is for man and wife. The word love has been redefined to mean accepting and tolerating anything and everything a person wants to be or to do instead of selfless, sacrificial care and concern for the earthly and eternal good of others, all for the sake of God, who is love. But the problem is not just with all those sinners out there in the world. It's right here, too, right in our own hearts and minds, where we see desires that 
go against the will of our God? Do we too give God reason to say, enough? False gods like money or success or pleasure or recreation tempt us to bow before them too. And sometimes we do. Do the changing values of the world around us affect us in ways that we sometimes don't realize? Maybe we watch something on TV or view something online that Christians years ago would have found shocking. But we've kind of become used to those kinds of things. Do we get caught up in the bitterness of our times with reluctance to listen to others, to seek to understand them and help them, or with slowness to forgive those whom we feel have wronged us? Do we ever ignore parts of God's word that we don't want to hear, like the people of Judah who scoffed at God's prophets? It's not just the people of Judah long ago or other sinners in the world that arouse the wrath of God over sin. It's my sin and your sin too. But is God just waiting there, eagerly counting down until he will pounce with his judgment? He does not describe himself like that. Rather, one who does not want sinners to perish, one who continues to show compassion. He has given us his word. He sends his messengers to call us back to him in repentance. He continues to show his mercy. When Manasseh was sent into exile, that should have served as a type of warning shot to awaken the people into repentance before it was too late. Does God still send warning shots to turn us away from spiritual danger? In our world of natural disasters, pandemics, drought, or even the eerie sights of a summer sky gray with smoke, can we hear God's reminders that not everything is right with this world and not everything is right with us either? And we won't be here forever. The time to repent is always now. To pray, Heavenly Father, I've sinned against you. I deserve your punishment. But I appeal to your mercy and I seek your favor. Forgive me, my God. Undo the guilt of my sin. God who forgave Manasseh forgives you and me too. God allowed his people to return from their captivity after 70 years and he kept his promise to send the Savior born from that line of Judah's kings. And only Jesus can undo the sins that we have done. Only the Son of God can reverse the curse of judgment that we have earned with our sins. And he did that by keeping himself pure of all sin, never ignoring even one part of his Heavenly Father's word and will. 
And then God the Father hooked him with our sin and led him away to the cross where he would suffer in God-forsaken agony. And that was the price that God paid for him to be able to say, my child, I have forgiven you. I have undone the guilt of your sin, and I see your sin no more. Be at peace. God declares you holy in his sight. The empty grave of Jesus is the guarantee that your sin is dead and gone and that you have new life in Christ. This is God's remedy for sin. God's remedy in Christ that takes away the sin of the whole world. Live in this peace and grace with constant readiness to listen to God who calls us to his side and who equips us to live as his forgiven children. This is the grace and compassion of our Heavenly Father. During our study of Judah's kings these past eight weeks, the Word of God has taught us much. In their sins, we see our own need to repent. In his mercy to them, we are assured of God's forgiveness. In their lives of faith, we are encouraged to live and to serve as God has planned for us. But most of all, we have seen the faithfulness of God who has compassion on his people, who kept his promise to send the Savior alive from one generation to the next, who sent his Son for us and now extends his grace and saving love to each of us. And so we give thanks that God has compassion on us too. Amen.